Welcome to the Business of Online Teaching Podcast. This is your host, Johan. This podcast goals are to help Udemy instructors get to know each other and be part of this vibrant community of online instructors. We will invite Udemy instructors, whether they are already successful or on their way, and we'll get to hear their successes and failures, learn their strategies, and learn how they are making money on Udemy. And we will be able to turn our passion into a sustainable business. If you're already an instructor or planning to become one, this podcast is for you. So today I have an amazing guest. His name is Mark Isaacson. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm very happy to have you here. So before we start, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and what you do on Udemy? Sure. So before I came to Udemy, I was a freelance web developer. Um, that's my latest incarnation of uh, being self-employed. So I had come to Udemy with the idea that I was going to be teaching people the tool that I use, which is Drupal. And I was going to get on Udemy and I was going to create all these Drupal classes and then I was just going to be seeing the money rolling into my bank account. So the courses that I have on Udemy right now are, for the most part, um, focused around uh, web development and technology-type classes. I've taken a bit of... Um, Uh, shift from that as well based on uh, my experiences that I've been having on Udemy and recognizing some things that I need to do. So we can talk about some more of my other classes in a bit later on. But for the most part, I'm a, I'm a geek. I'm a code monkey, um, you know, a technology type of a guy. Oh, I feel you. You know, my background also is in software engineering, .NET stack, uh, Ruby on Rails stack, and obviously mobile development, iOS. So yes, definitely. And um And what I'd like to know from you is that did you have any prior experience before Udemy when it comes to teaching and, you know, and, and video casting and things like that? Okay, well, it's interesting. So, yes, I had experience teaching. I was, out, I was actually a high school math teacher for a few years. Okay. But I didn't have – and I also had done um, – as an adjunct professor at a community college, I had done a couple semesters, two or three semesters. Okay. Um, but I had never done any type of – online teaching, any type of video casting, any of that stuff. So it was this insanely huge learning curve for me, figuring out, and I'm a technology guy, um, but still figuring out these pieces of getting the audio right and the video right and producing the courses was humongous learning curve for me. Absolutely. And um, so it's even for us, you know, so we, there's, you know, there's trials and errors to be able to go through all this process and have, have something decent to put online. And it takes time and experience. And uh, so you can only imagine that anyone that has, that's not technically inc inclined, that's in any other business, maybe like marketing or, you know, or teaching dance classes, uh, how hard it would be to do everything on their own. And when we start, we're here to, you know, sh uh, show our passion, but also make money because If you go on Udemy and, and you're not trying to make any money out of this, then why even go there in the first place? You'd rather focus on something else. You know, no one comes here and is already rich or is already making a great living and <laughs> just want to do this as a, as a hobby. I mean, maybe some do, but majority of people are doing this because they're expecting to get some revenue out of this. So it's hard to just come in and do all this setup and, have, and hire people to create your courses, or, you know, so to have something professional 
and um, and be able to make dollars out of this, right? So I'm sure that you, just like me, you, you try to do everything on your own, right? And the majority of people are trying to do that themselves, right? Absolutely. I mean, I'm an independent type of a person. And like you say that, I mean, I'm definitely looking to build this to be my uh, primary income. And starting out, I mean, honestly, I got to tell you, like when I was getting myself prepared for Udemy, fortunately with my web developer background, I mean, I, I, I make a good hourly rate. I had a lot of projects. I had a lot of cash reserves. But, um, you know, I bought a new computer because I knew the computer that I had was this computer that was just totally underpowered for rendering videos. Mm-hmm. I bought, um, you know, my... <coughs> You know, the soft boxes and the green screen and my microphone mm-hmm. and the lavalier mic and the this and the that. And so as it is it starting out, yeah. I've laid out, you know, thousands of dollars to get myself ready to go on Udemy before I had even made a penny. Um, and, yeah, so I can't afford to be hiring people to come in and be doing my recording for me, spending time in a recording studio or having somebody professionally uh, produce the videos or deal with the audio. So at this point, it's definitely all on my own. Like I'm I'm everything, you know, from <laughs> right. from one end of the spectrum to the other. It's all on me to do it. Right. And I believe that you, just like me, um, you're planning on um, on trying to delegate tasks in the future once you have – enough money so that you can pre-hire somebody or multiple people of different services to help you um, on the technical side or, you know, on the on the things that are redundant, right? Have you ever thought yeah. about that yet? Or Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, when I can get enough money flowing, I definitely want to reinvest some of the money into the business to be able to help me focus my time on the things that really need really need my attention and then let somebody else do things that I can just pay somebody else uh you know to do for me uh you know I you got to be um don't be penny wise and pound foolish mm-hmm. you know you got to be smart about leveraging your time so you know as I can have an income that will allow it uh, I definitely want to be able to bring other people on to help me be able to just leverage my time even better. Yeah, definitely. Um, I got to tell you, myself, I have a virtual assistant. So um, I have uh, someone that's helping me part-time, just, you know, help me with um, some content and some, especially, you know, translating things on on paper and things like that. And um, I was thinking that at some point... um, this, I have this person part time, and um, I'd be more than willing to get to share this person with some other instructors. And since you know they would already be trained to know what I'm doing myself on Udemy, and, and I'm sure you and Dyer and all the other instructors, we all have these repetitive tasks that are very similar. There's no questions about it. You know, like let's say you create a lecture and you have to create write a description. You know, somebody could do a great description. Somebody could write. Uh, um, you know, do, do you know like editing or creating promotional videos or even sharing you know, social media and all these things that could be done for yourself. And what I would do would be very similar to what you would do for your courses. But obviously, it's hard to find somebody that you could that you have to train actually, um, even even trust. Because when it comes to Udemy, if you want to have somebody help you, you have to share your credentials. There is no other way at the moment. So. Um, that's something that I would like to do in, in the future, you know, share VA and things like that. So I'm just that's putting the word a, out there. Go that's ahead. a great idea, actually, because I think um, that is true that um, until we have a certain volume 
uh, students and interaction and and courses and whatever we have that we probably <coughs> you know don't have enough that we'd be able to have uh, employ somebody full time and to be able to share a virtual assistant across instructors could actually be a really nice uh, proposition and it is nice too because then there's a that type of incentive that it becomes more interesting for the people who are going to be vying for that type of VA position to say, oh, wow, like there's this group of instructors that I know that if I do a good job and I'm reliable and I'm consistent and trustworthy, that these other instructors will also hire me on. And then plus with you know Udemy's platform, with the ability to do revenue sharing with people, um, that could just be like a little bit of that profit sharing arrangement that a VA can have and say, hey, like if I'm willing to go the extra mile – I know that I can actually bring some more students into this course, and the more students that come into the course, the more my little uh, revenue sharing is going to be there. So it's a really interesting idea to approach things mm -hmm. that way to kind of cultivate um, you know, people who we'd be able to use in this fashion. And then definitely like um, you know, when uh, an instructor has had a chance to work with somebody and vet the person and train them, then it really helps other instructors so that they don't have to go out and you know be looking for people on Fiverr or wherever else and sorting through the people themselves to figure out well this person wasn't very good and that one wasn't very good either. So that's a that's a pretty good idea to have the community where we'd be able to uh, form our little co-op and be able to uh, share resources and refer resources to each other. Yes, definitely. So I'm putting the order out there. I'm not doing it yet, but we might start, you and I and other instructors. So, you know, feel free to message us um, on iosonlinecourses.com slash podcast. You'll find the contact there. And, and if you're interested, then uh, we'll see what we can do. Now, um, the reason why I got you here is also that um, you are very tech savvy, obviously. You know, you have programming background and things like that. So there's something that you have that others don't have. Is um, And one of your courses about that is... Uh, having presence on the web uh, when it comes to your courses and your authority and also blogging and things like that. So feel free to, let, let's, let's drill into this and let's talk about the, the online presence and what can we do to be more out there. Absolutely. So it, that's actually an interesting thing for you to ask me about because, <laughs> yes, I've got a course on personal branding right now. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, coming online, it's kind of a blessing and a curse that I'm, you know, I'm tech savvy. I, I, I know stuff about computers and programming, but I have to be honest. I didn't know anything about marketing, about building uh, a presence online, about building an audience. You know, I figured that like based on my experience, Drupal is really in demand. I had no problems getting work to be doing websites for people right. and so but i it's thought not for okay. you it's for other people so you're still kind of an employee even though you work for yourself you know you still like hourly you're hourly paid right and it's not really your business you're working on other it's people's not business. yeah right right it's not my business but the thing is that here i come to you to me thinking like look how much i'm in demand look how much work i can get and mm -hmm. so i have these assumptions about like how the course is going to do based on my experience with people contacting me to do work for them. And that's just not the way it worked out. So mm -hmm. um, so I didn't start out with any of this knowledge about having an online presence and personal branding and building an audience. I was totally clueless. And I, I was it was just a huge flop for me because I was so clueless about marketing. So I think that a lot of people make that very same mistake. I'm guilty of it myself. It's not that I didn't do any market research because I did. Like I did market research to check out 
what Drupal courses were on Udemy. Um, I was gonna, I saw, I wasn't gonna be the first one there, so I knew there was some people who were already kind of blazing the trail for me, but there weren't a ton of people there, and I, so I saw, I didn't have a ton of competition, and the classes that were out there were not really inspiring classes, and so I'd done a bit of market research. Right, so you saw that there was an opportunity for you, right? That you, I saw you could do better and uh, and kind of like take over this specific. Uh, I can, scary. but I also kind of misread some of the numbers there because I didn't have a clue before I came on Udemy. I didn't know how to read things in terms of like how many people you know will give away the free coupons and that you have to be careful about when you look at the number of students enrolled in yeah, a course. That's right. that's it doesn't mean much for, for some courses. Yeah, it doesn't Absolutely. tell the whole story. So here I come online with these expectations of what I'm going to do and I was totally wrong. Like I just totally flopped. I you know it just it didn't work out the way that I thought. So it's something that over time I've had to learn and honestly you know, I launched my first course at the end of January 2015, and it wasn't until in October when I finally realized, okay, well, duh, I need to start doing something to build an audience and build a presence online. I need to start building more of a personal brand so that I'm going to be able to have some, some more success selling these courses online. So, yeah, I know more now than I knew then, but when I started out then, I knew pretty much zero. So that was a pretty low bar for me to, to overcome. Yeah, for sure. So uh, tell, us how, tell us about the, the process. You know, like, how, could we, like, how do we start? Let's say, so I just started. I'm on Udemy. I have my first course, and I'm basically new to the, the world, the online world. Uh, what step should I be taking to be able to drive traffic or create a presence online? Okay, that's a great question. And I'll tell you like what I should have done when I started. It's not what I did do. Right, so you, okay. I I totally (laughs) screwed it up. I did it wrong, but let's help other people not make the same mistakes as I make. Because I see in the studio all the time, people come in and they're so excited. I submitted my course for review and it got approved and it's in the marketplace. Does anybody have any marketing tips? Folks, like this is the totally backwards way to do it. You don't launch a course and then think about how you're going to market it. That's and that's exactly what I did to a certain extent. So like this isn't passing judgment on anybody. I made th- that same clueless mistake. But you don't have to be like that. Before you launch a course, you ought to be thinking about who your audience is. You should be connecting with your audience. You should already be building up some of your marketing channel before the course is ever launched. So when you launch it, you've got an audience that you can sell it to. So the advice that I would give to people when they're first starting on Udemy, keep in mind the fact that there's this huge learning curve of how you produce a course. And I got to tell you, the first course that I produced um, I was so proud of it. I thought it was so cool <laughs> that I produced the course. I thought it was so amazing. But when I come back and I looked at it, I was like, oh, my God, this course sucks. The That's audio so is funny. terrible. The video is terrible. It's boring. Like this class isn't exciting at all. They, there's, I can see why the course isn't selling because it just doesn't inspire people. That's um, exactly what happened to me a couple, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I went back to my very first course and I looked at it and I'm like, oh, boy, I come from a long way. Yeah. So, but the thing is, you can't come a long way until you've gained more experience. And one of the huge mistakes I made is I launched that first course, and I didn't want to launch another course till I got feedback because I'm an engineer, I'm a mathematician. Like I want to figure something out. I don't want to have to redo things. I don't want to make mistakes over and over again, keep making the same mistake. So I waited and waited and waited to get feedback before I did my second course. The only problem is nobody was taking my first course. Nobody was giving me feedback. And so I didn't know anything to do any better. And what I really needed to do was create some more courses so that I could learn 
as I go. And so the advice that I'm going to give people when you're first starting out is this. And I'll try to uh, clarify it a little bit so that people understand how to utilize the strategy and what you're looking to get out of it. The thing I would say to people is what you want to do is the first thing is you have to figure out how to even create an online course. So your very first course isn't even geared towards that you're expecting to make any money off it. You're just learning how to make a course and overcome those hurdles. So pick something that's super easy, super short. Just aim for meeting the bare minimum of that 30-minute course so you can get through the review process, you can learn about the course image, you can learn about all of this stuff in creating the course. And make it a free course. Don't aim for making any money off it, but do choose a topic that you think you're going to be interested in teaching. So what you'll get out of that first 30-minute course is just kind of that getting a bit over those that learning curve of creating courses. And then the other thing that you'll get out of it, since you're choosing a topic that you think you're going to be interested in teaching, by virtue of the fact that it's a free course, you're going to get to get a bit of feedback about whether anybody's finding your course on Udemy. And here's a key piece in this. Don't blast out all of these free coupon codes like in the studio and all over the place over the internet because then you ruin the ability for you to get that feedback of like what kind of interest is there naturally on Udemy through organic sales. So create this really short course, make it free, and then just put it up there on Udemy and see how many people are finding your course. That way you're going to get feedback about is this topic in demand. And it's okay if you find out that the topic's not in demand because now you've learned, aha, if I'm going to teach courses in this topic, I'm going to have to build my audience. I'm going to have to bring my audience here. I'm going to have to come up with some ideas of how I'm going to market courses in this topic. So there's your first course, what you're going to get out of it. You're going to get over the the learning curve of how to make a course. (coughs) You're going to get a little bit of feedback on a topic. Now, I'm going to tell you the next thing you should do, you're going to do the same thing again. You pick a second course that you're going to aim again for like 30 minutes, that it's going to be a free course. And what you're going to get out of the second course is now you're going to choose another idea for a topic. So you're going to get a feedback on another topic. But what you're going to get out of the second course now is experiment doing things differently than you did with the first course. Because this is going to give you the opportunity to grow and get better whether or not you have students taking your course. So just try to do some different things than you did in your first course. What type of different things can we do? I'm going to to tell you. That's what I was going to get into. So let's see with your first course that you did. Um, you did a, a slideshow type of a course, and your whole course was like voiceover on slides. Okay. So a couple of things to try differently in your second course. Do something more interesting with your template on the slides. Try to do something like using lower thirds graphics on your slides. Or do something where you try to do like a pick and pick. So you've got a slide on part of the screen, and you've got your face on part of the screen talking to them. Or add some more talking head to your course. Those are types of things that you can do different than you did with your first course. <clears throat> you know, with your, let's just assume that your first course was all just um, voiceover on, on a slideshow. So now you're going to push yourself a little bit and you're going to learn to do things a little bit differently. You're going to get some other ideas about ways that you can put the course together. So there you go. Now you've got your second course. You're testing out another topic area. You now have gotten more experience making courses. And you've pushed yourself to be a little bit more creative to try new things. And then what I'm going to say is this. You want to do it one more time. You want to do it a third time, the same type of a thing. You're going to aim for a 30-minute course. You're going to pick another topic. 
and you're going to produce this again is a free course. Okay, so what you're going to end up with at the end of this process is three free courses that are about 30 minutes long that are in three different topics. And now what you're going to get is you're going to see which of those topics is doing better than the other topics or if all three of those topics are just still languishing there, you're going to get a bit of feedback about, hmm, maybe I'm not doing a great job at topic selection here. Maybe I need to do a little bit more research about what are going to be good topics for me to teach. But then again, with this third course, what you want to do is you want to try to do things still differently than those first two courses. So maybe you're going to try to do a lot of talking head in this. Maybe you're going to try to do something where you've got more interesting graphics. But um, this is what you're going to be forcing yourself to do is you're, since you're doing three courses and you're trying to do each course differently than the other courses, you're forcing your brain to work, to be creative, to come up with other ideas, and that's how you're going to get better at making courses. Maybe you'll do something different in this third course that like you're going to have more exercises for the students or you're going to do something more significant with using quizzes. Whatever it is, by going through this process of doing these three starter practice courses for you, you've really exercised your brain, you've really pushed yourself. <coughs> sorry, I'm still not totally over this cough, this cold. Yeah, uh, sorry for uh, coughing. Okay. No, no, no worries. You know. um, but so what you're going to be doing here is you've really given yourself this great workout in how to create courses. And guess what? Let's say that you actually picked some topics that were interesting and you see in these three courses, one of the three courses, let's just pretend that one of the three courses, you picked some topic. And again, all of these courses were just, you put them on Udemy for free. You weren't marketing them anyplace because you didn't want to spoil the data that you were able to collect by dumping in a bunch of course hoarders because they found out there's a free course. You wanted people to find out about the course themselves because they came to Udemy searching for this type of topic and they found your course. So let's pretend now that one out of those three courses was actually getting a lot of enrollments. Now, it's not enough that you're getting enrollments, though, because you also want to see that students are completing lectures and they're putting stuff in the discussion form and they're leaving reviews. So let's just further pretend that one of those three courses had all of those things, that you were getting enrollments, they were completing lectures, they were putting stuff in the discussion forum, and they were leaving you reviews. Well, there you go. You just got a bunch of good information like, aha, I think I'm on to something here. So you got two choices now. One choice is to now focus on improving that course, add more material to it so that you can change that course to a paid course. Mm -hmm. Another option that you have is to say, actually, I'm going to leave that course (coughs) as a free course Mm -hmm. and I'm going to work on a paid course that it like builds off that free course. We're allowed to put this bonus lecture in in any of our courses, free or paid. And in the bonus lecture, you can refer people to to anything that you offer. Actually, you can right. refer. It's kind of like a to way your, to do free marketing. Yeah. So you're allowed. Yeah, you can one, do it to your paid courses. Yeah, other products or services that you have online. So you can put um so you can make use of that bonus lecture. So that's another route that you can go. So you've got this one course that's doing well, and now you're going to build another course based on that. And so you'll have in the bonus lecture <clears throat> the you know the coupon code to get to your paid course. So that's the advice that I would give people starting out. Now let's take a different picture from this. Let's say that you did these three courses and none of them was doing any good. I kind you know I think I kind of addressed that already as well. Then what you need to look at and say, hmm, these are free courses. They're so and yeah, I'm, I'm still not getting very many enrollments in these classes. So 
I've got, you know, I've got a different problem that I need to tackle here. I either need to reconsider the topics that I'm teaching because they don't seem to really be that uh, much in demand on Udemy, or you need to think about <coughs> how can I build an audience. If you're going to go the route of saying I, I want to, I still like these topics, and this is what I know, this is what I love, this is what I want to teach. Then what you do is you say, okay, I'm going to take a look at this this course. I'm going to go after this topic, and now I'm going to start practicing. Getting building my presence online, finding out where my target audience is online, and I'm going to start interacting with them. I'm going to start building a relationship with them because then I'm going to have a target audience where now I'm not just blindly throwing out free coupons there, but I've got an audience that I can send free coupons to. And when you've built a relationship with the, this audience, then you can test that and you can give free coupons to that audience. And so, now you see how does it work? Mark, does let's, let's try to uh, to get a concrete example. So let's say, okay. just like you, you have a, you know, so you're doing Drupal, and let's right, say okay. I do iPhone development. So okay. what should I do now that I have this course thirty minutes? Uh, okay, what, what, so let's just yes, and so it's not working say, on Udemy, and I'm trying to get outside right. of Udemy. What would I do? Okay, so let me just pretend that I had actually gone through this process. That I was that I was I'm giving the my advice is my old me to my you me. When yes. I was coming on to Udemy, <laughs> and I was going to actually do things the right way from the beginning. And so I was planning to do Drupal classes, and I know that I know the web development. So let's say that I tested three different topics, and one of the topics I tested was this Drupal class. And so I had put the Drupal class on for free. Very many students in there. And I said, but I know Drupal. I love Drupal. I want to teach Drupal. And I know that having Drupal skills is something useful. So Absolutely. I'm going to still And there's an audience out there. You know, there's, uh, yeah. you know, there's hundreds yeah. of thousands so, of developers yeah. that use Drupal and, or would want to use Drupal. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to go after Drupal. Even though I see that I'm not – this class isn't doing that well, I'm still determined. So as far as giving specifics, so, so what? So what am I going to do now? I say, okay, let me think about where I'm going to find people who hang out online who want to know about Drupal. Okay, how about some specific examples? How about Quora.com? There's okay. web, you know, there's the Drupal, the, the you know, community on Quora. How about on Reddit? There's the Drupal community. So how about if I try getting onto Quora and getting onto Reddit <coughs> and following their community guidelines? Folks, you can't get out there and just start spamming, okay? You're going to get yourself banned. You're going to get yourself a bad reputation. Right, and, and you're just going to shoot yourself be, in the uh, foot. I'm going to be really yeah. anyway, so... So you got to know the rules of the game. Um, and so then so, – so what I would do here then is say, okay, let me get onto Quora and start building some relationships, answering questions in the Drupal community on Quora, answering questions in the Drupal community on Reddit. Oh my gosh, I'm seeing these questions that people are asking here. There's stuff that people want to know about. I have a good idea. Let me put a video on YouTube that's answering these questions that I see people asking. And I'm going to answer their questions and I'm going to point them to <coughs> – my YouTube channel that has that video that answers their question that they're asking. And then, oh, by the way, in the description of that video, that's where I'm going to have the link, the free coupon link. Or, you know, well, it's a free course, so I guess it doesn't matter whether it's a free coupon right, link. Right, but you're saying that in, in the future you will link. have a course that people want to yeah. sell, though, so there will be yeah, a coupon I've got, that, that has value so I've there. Got, yeah, I've got the link in the description of that video 
to my course. So this is how I'm going to start going about testing things now. So I'm seeing how am I doing building the audience on Quora? How am I doing building the audience on Reddit? I've got this video that I think is really helpful for them and there's the description in the video that directs people to my course. That's what I'm talking about. Like if you're deciding that you're going to go after, again, let's just pretend you know, that I'm going after Drupal and I need to start building my Drupal audience. That's a way that I could go about it. You know, Some very specific things that I told you there. Okay, definitely. I see exactly where you're going with that. Is that um, if you don't find the audience on Udemy, you can find it outside of Udemy by you know by giving giving value, just like you said, but also taking back by driving them back to your let's say your YouTube channel or any other um, maybe your Facebook page, and then from there you can send them to your Udemy course, right? Exactly. Yeah. Where do, so I just used the idea of a video. The reason that I chose um, the YouTube channel and the video is that. <laughs> That's actually a really powerful tool for picking up other people who you might not have even uh, known about. It's a little harder for people to find your Facebook page, but when you get your YouTube video out there, mm -hmm. um, especially if you're doing a good job that you've driven people from Quora or Reddit to your video and they're liking it and they're commenting on it, and then it's going to make it easier for people to actually find that video on YouTube when they're searching for Drupal stuff, and now you might pick up even more of an audience. So I would definitely go with the YouTube route as opposed to going with the, the Facebook group route or the Facebook page route because mm -hmm. I think you're going to have a lot more success um, building some traction <coughs> and getting people uh, to find out about you. Now, you're going to get feedback there. I mean either it's going to work or it's not going to work. And this is, the, this is how you build your knowledge over time to eventually get yourself doing the things that work and stop doing the things that are not working. But that's why I suggested when you start out, you just do these three short courses because you haven't invested months into creating these courses that you may eventually find out like, I am never going to make any money off these. I, I have not been able to build an audience. I'm just not getting people enrolled in this. You're so much better off finding that out early on with these three short tester courses you've done than if you've spent months creating this monster course and then you just find out, like, I can't make any money off this. I was totally wrong about how many people are interested in this, whether I'm actually solving a problem for them or not. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of information here. And, um, well, you know, if you're new to Udemy and you definitely want to do a course, um, I totally agree with Mark. I haven't done it myself. Um, I have to be honest with you. Um, I got a bit of luck here because, um, you know, I wasn't expecting to, you know, make money out of Udemy. At least I was trying the, the waters and it just happened that something came up. And maybe I'm just going to tell my story right now uh, so that people understand. So my first course, you know, it, it wasn't that great. It wasn't doing that great. But what happened is that I, I'm a mobile app, uh, so I create iPhone apps and stuff like that. And um, the first course that I created, I was teaching people how to program and, and uh, how to make uh, a mobile game. And I saw that uh, many people wanted to make the mobile game, but they, didn't, they were not fond of um, programming. They were not, uh, you know, they don't, they don't really like the programming side of it. Many of them were graphic designers, you know, so they know about um, Maya, Blender, um, Photoshop and things like that. So they know how to create um, graphics, but they didn't know how to program and they didn't want to get too much into the details of programming. Now, they can change an image, you know, change some text on, 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 a, on, on an app, but when it comes to, you know, adding geolocation to an app or adding a leaderboard system, game center, things like this, multiplayer, then definitely Udemy might not be the right audience for that. It's really, you know, it's really specific and Udemy is more of a broader audience. 
And um, so I created this. I, I partnered with somebody that had a, an amazing source code for a, a game that was a clone of Flappy Bird. I don't know if you guys remember Flappy Bird about two or three years ago. It was something huge on the mobile apps. Everybody was addicted to that game. So he created a clone and, and I'm like, you know what, let me take your source code and I'm gonna show people how to make a game out of this and by just changing the graphics and the sounds and you know the advertising networks and things like that and just publish it to the iTunes app store. And uh, and that went crazy, like in the sense that lots of people started to create games, and they ended up in the in the top ten worldwide on the iTunes App Store, and that got picked up by uh, by many uh, media channels such as um, Wired Magazine, uh, Forbes Online, Yahoo News, and a bunch of others. Um, and I don't know, the, the title I remember it was how to end up first in the iTunes App Store with ninety nine dollars in one afternoon by taking this Udemy course. So that was like my moment of fame, but. I never, you know, it never was my uh, my purpose to do that. It just happened that I started one way, you know, and and I got something back, and I, I saw what people didn't like about what I was doing and what they actually wanted for my courses, and I listened, and that that took off this way. Um, so you, you know, it was, it's something that I wanted to mention out there that it goes back to what you said. Uh, now it took me longer than than what you said because I had to create. Uh, couple courses first and it took me sometimes more than a month to create one course but if I went if I had to do it again I would definitely do it your way which is do something shorter you know just like uh, you know put your feet in the water and see how it goes type of thing definitely and even like looking at your case like so somebody might say because like some people just hit on a good topic on Udemy mm-hmm. and they just get naturally good organic sales. Like Scott Duffy is an example of that, that he knows about this software architecture type of certification, this TOGAF certification. Okay. And so Scott got on Udemy and he started doing these TOGAF courses because he wanted to do the TOGAF certification as well. And as long as he was studying for it, he, so he did some courses on it and just right away they became popular. And Scott just gets a tons of uh, Udemy organic sales through TOGAF. So, I mean, you might be a person who just naturally has some skill set that's actually it's in high demand in Udemy without being saturated and so you might be able to just <coughs> get things rolling um, right away but it, you haven't hurt yourself by creating this 30 minute course on a topic the worst that happens in your situation then is you put this your, this 30 minute course out there and it just explodes people are taking your class they're gobbling it up they're leaving you reviews they're begging you for more okay so give them more like you just got your market testing and you found out holy crap like I can get tons of sales through Udemy Organic with this topic. Here's the feedback I got on my classes. Here's what they liked. Here's what they didn't like. Here's how I can improve. And then you just go rolling from there. So you don't really stand to lose anything by taking this approach of saying, let me just do this 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 short course. Let me just do these three short courses. Because even if you're somebody who happens to be fortunate enough that you do land on good topics, great. Build out the course, change it from a free course to a paid course, and you're just you're off and running. So um, so it's a no-lose situation. No matter whether you're somebody who doesn't have a clue and you're choosing terrible topics, or you're somebody who's just you know stroke of luck, beginner's luck, and you're off to the races from the beginning, you've still gotten a lot out of um, taking this type of approach. All right, great. Now, something that uh, you mentioned earlier was the uh, YouTube channel. And I know that you have uh, Udemy Weekly Inspiration for Success. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about it. What, what is that YouTube channel? Why did you create it? And what do you expect from it? Okay, so again, just to go back to how I started on Udemy, my mindset was, 
okay, I'm going to be this Drupal guru on Udemy. So I actually created my account um, using one of my other domain names and other email address. And so I created um, this YouTube channel for that. And when things just weren't going anywhere, I realized I, I need to change what I'm doing. And so I started creating my own personal brand. And so now I've got the YouTube channel that I have for that. And in the meantime, I felt that I had learned a lot, like stuff that I'm sharing with you now. <coughs> but then, as is now, like I don't really have the revenue to show. So why would anybody listen to me giving them advice? Mm-hmm. But I knew that what I had learned was good stuff. And I knew that also other people were doing this type of stuff. And I said, let me start this weekly inspiration for success blabcast because then I can talk to other people who are going to say the same things that I would have been saying, but it's coming from other people who have been able to demonstrate some success. And then on top of that, what I'm going to be able to do is by doing this every week, I get a new video and this isn't a 10 or a 15 minute video. (coughs) When I interview the people, it goes anywhere from, I don't know, the shortest might be like 40 minutes to as much as an hour and a half. So every week I'm adding somewhere in the range of an hour of content on my YouTube channel. So there's a reason for people to be viewing and subscribing to my YouTube channel. And I haven't exploded in subscriptions right now at this point. I just started it in October and I've got like 11 subscribers or something like that. So it's not like my YouTube channel is caught on fire even at this point. But these things take time. And so every week I'm adding this content to the YouTube channel. And there's a lot of interesting stories, actually. I mean, they really are inspirational stories. I've had a lot of fun guests on the show who've got just really interesting backgrounds, really interesting stories. And then plus, folks, <laughs> I'm talking to people who've achieved success in one way or another. Some people are have made a lot of money. Some people have gotten more opportunities. Some people are just They've they've been at least able to gain some traction and they're making progress doing this. And you get to hear from them about what have they done to help them achieve that success that they've achieved. And so (coughs) that goes on YouTube. I'm able to embed that YouTube video on my personal branding website. So now my website gets fresh content every week. So the search engines have a reason to be, you know, finding my website to be alive and active so I can turn up better in search results on there. And then what I also did is I took those, um, you know, those videos and I created the free class on Udemy. So now I've got a, a, fr- a free class that's got tons of content in it, and I'm doing this very thing. The class is on Udemy. It's free. I don't advertise it. When I launched it, I let people know that I had um, this class, but I don't advertise it anymore now, and I get people enrolling every day in that class. I'm. It's not – it's like almost like 850 people, I think, in that class now. So it's making its way up there. So, you know, I do the the blabcast because it gives me a lot of content marketing, um, you know, that I can be doing. And then furthermore, what it does for me is every single week, people get to see me associating with successful and inspirational people. And some of that association is going to rub off on me and it's going to help people see me as somebody who's inspirational, somebody who's got, you know, some level of success. So this is, it's a, it's a long-term picture that I'm looking at here. It's not something that's uh, generating me 
significant money right now, but this is a marathon that I'm running. And, you know, over time, it's something that should build and will give me, you know, establish authority online and establish an audience online. Excellent. And uh, what I have to understand from what you're doing is that you create content, but your content is not is not locked to one specific platform in the sense that your content may be some YouTube content that may also be on Udemy and on Blab and so on. So uh, let's talk about content recycling or content Absolutely. morphing. So what are these channels? Let's say when you create videos, what do you do with them? Or like, have you tried any eBooks? Have you tried any blogs? Uh, like what are all the different um, media types that you can produce uh, um, more of your content into. Okay, right. Yeah, so multi-purposing your content. So the truth is that right now, what I'm doing is I'm taking advantage of the videos themselves. So because on my YouTube channel, it gets embedded on my website and it goes into the Udemy class. And then what I also do is... Um, I need to use handbrake so I can kind of parse these into smaller sections so that I can get them uploaded into YouTube. And YouTube, then I can use to do the automatic generation of the captions, which are horrible. I mean, the captions, mm -hmm. when YouTube is auto-generating these things, they're like totally horrible. The grammar is wrong. The spelling is wrong. There's no punctuation whatsoever. But I get these captions, and then I grab these captions, and I dump them onto my website as a transcript of there. I don't think it's a transcript that anybody's going to be able to read very well, but now it gives me all this text on my website. And as I'm talking to people over time and we're talking about certain things, I'm going to be hitting <coughs> the idea is different keywords. And so when Google is indexing the web, they're going to see how many pieces of content I have on my site that has these keywords. And so when people are searching for these types of things, they're going to be more likely to find um, my site. So that's what I've got going on right now. But yes, what I've got uh, Mark, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you here, but what I want to tell, what I want to add to this is that you got to be careful with this. Uh, I'm not an expert in SEO, but I, I talked to some people that were in the past because I've, I've done business with them. And uh, Google has something very specific is that they, they understand natural languages, meaning that sentences have to be formed uh, a, a very nice way. And if your words do not make sense, in an in English wise, then this is going to go against you. I'm just throwing it out there. So you might need to clean up a little bit, you know, the, the, the keyword or the sentences so that it looks kind of like at least nice to the ear per se. Well, we'll have to see. I don't know that it's really to understand whether the punctuation is correct. I mean, this isn't just nonsense garbled stuff. Like there are actual sentences that are in there, but that's an interesting point. So I'll have to see how that plays out for me sure. because like you say, you will test some things and maybe some things will work and maybe they won't work. So I'll have to see over time whether that transcript is, is working for me or against me because I can tell you there's no way I'm going to be spending my time doing transcripts, you right. know, hours and hours and hours it takes to clean that up. And I can't, you know. Right, you can spend I your time in other places and um, that will be a So well, I'll keep an eye on that and see how that goes. Sure, but and what feel I free will... to come and report to me and I put it in, uh, in the podcast episode uh, notes. Definitely, yeah. I'd love to. What I will be doing in the future when I can free up some time is, like you're saying, I also get the audio from Blab for this. And I do want to turn these Blabcasts into podcasts. I haven't done that yet. I just don't have the time to do it. And then what I will also do, um, now what I haven't yet done with any of the interviews, I also have um, the session notes um, text area that I've got on my uh, site, but I just haven't sat through the interviews to actually write down the session notes. But I'll compile, I'll go through all of the interviews at some point, and I'll get session notes together. Then 
I'll be able to use all those session notes that I've got from all of my different interviews to turn that into an ebook. Because now when I've talked to all of these people and I'm finding out all of this information about what they've been doing to succeed, I've got a lot of useful things that I could put into an ebook that I can put out there. And then that ebook can become more marketing for me. So over time, <coughs> definitely I'm planning to use these uh, these weekly blabcasts that I'm doing as podcast and as ebooks. And it's just multi-purposing the content that I've already got there. Yes, but to be honest, I, I thought about it myself. You know, I, I started creating an ebook for one of my courses uh, when I was teaching uh, how to make Apple Watch apps and games. And um, my main problem was that the course has about, I don't know, like 15 hours of content. And um, getting this done, I couldn't do it myself, so I, hired, I started hiring somebody to do it. But um, some, some, some words, the terminology when it comes to iOS development are very specific. And I had this problem where um, many times the, um, the, uh, the virtual assistant could not translate it into words because, you know, when I say a UI view controller or, you know, some very specific uh, keywords, they just wouldn't know what it is and they wouldn't understand the sentence. It, was, it wasn't, you, you, you know, it was counterproductive type of thing because I had to go back and, and look uh, again and know what are the key because, you know, uh, since these are videos, you probably also want to take screenshots because uh, text is sometimes not enough, depending, obviously, on, on your uh, subject. But for my content, um, I needed specifically, you know, to take screenshots. And VAs wouldn't know when to take the screenshot. So, so I abandoned. I had to give up on this. Um, so it didn't work out for me, but I'm not saying it's not going to work out for you. But I'm saying that, you know, beware of also... Uh, I, I made the mistake of trying to do something that was way too big. You know, I shouldn't have started with this 15-hour content to make an ebook of. Even though I wanted to have an ebook that's, you know, that's substantial, that has at least, you know, a couple, several, several hundred pages. And um, I shoot myself in the foot and it never saw the light of day. So um, what, well, what I'm talking about, about actually... Yeah, for my first ebook, what I'm talking about is this weekly inspiration for success blabcast, which is, I mean, that's just that's just an interview. It's a conversation that we're having, and we're not getting okay. into all of these technical terms. And I'm talking about once I can get the session notes together, where I've just taken the the nuggets from the conversation and I boil them down into you know one or two paragraphs from the whole one hour or you know seventy five minute interview that I've done with them. Um, so that's the, that's what I'm talking about. But as far as talking specifically about courses, when I create my courses, um, I've got scripts that I use for my courses. So I've already got the entire script where I've done the complete explanation of everything that I'm talking about. Okay. So for me, I do want to actually test out the idea of taking my scripts and turning them into ebooks. And then, like you say, sure, I'll create include some images in there, some type of screenshots that go along with that. Mm -hmm. So I am curious to test that um, with even you know, my courses that I'm developing, but it's, you know, it's all in time. So one of the things that I I'll just, I'll stress, I'll just repeat, it was a huge mistake that I had made was this idea of create some courses and put the courses out there and then see how much money they make. I was too impatient. I was too much in a hurry um, to just see about starting to make some money as opposed to other people who come to this, who've had much more success are people who have actually been online 
for a period of time, and they've already been doing this stuff with blogging or putting videos on a YouTube channel, or they've done some type of eBooks. They've got some other of these things that are already in place <laughs> where they've been uh, able to build an audience. For me, I'm having to scramble and try to get the audience built up after I've already got a bunch of classes out there. And so I put myself in the position that I only have so many hours in the day and I'm playing this catch-up game trying to get all these other pieces in place. So, um, you know, I think that it's it's so much better for a person to take the approach instead of spending <laughs> however many hours you're going to devote to doing um, Udemy. Let's pretend that you're thinking that you're going to spend 10 hours a week related to Udemy and building your um, residual income. Instead of spending all 10 hours every week working on building your course, maybe you want to spend two and a half hours building your course. And then maybe you want to distribute that other seven and a half hours to doing things like being on Quora or Reddit or doing things um, like blogging or commenting on people's blogs, doing other things where you're actually engaging in these marketing pieces and be a little bit more patient about how long it takes you to build your course and submit it and publish it because you're way better off finding out how much of an audience you're building and then get that feedback about whether you should continue with that course or not than to be spending all this time to put in the course and then do the testing later on to see if it's going to be successful. So, um, you know, so right now when you're asking about other things that I'm going to do, mm-hmm. like I'm kind of in the bind because like I've dumped all these hours into creating these courses and of course now I'm just scrambling trying to make money off them. Um, it, whereas if I would have changed the the approach and I would have changed the percentage of how I was doing things, I could have said, what's the big rush to get the course published here. If I don't have anybody to sell it to, it's not going to make any money anyway. So I might as well be spending some of my time to be building the audience <coughs> to have something, you know, have the audience to, to sell it to. And then I wouldn't be in the same type of bind. Like, yeah, I want to create an ebook, and yeah, I want to be able to create the podcast, but I just don't have enough time to do it now because I got all of these other things that, I, that I'm trying to do because, because now I have to catch up for all the stuff that I hadn't built over a period of months or years before I launched uh, before I launched my first class. Right. So from my understanding, uh, you, you kind of trying to be everywhere or at least on multiple platforms at the same time so that, like you say, you build your brand online and your presence. Now, uh, at the end of the day, what, what I understand is that you still have to funnel them all in one bucket list or, you know, in at least one place where you can, you can get to connect with all these people at once. This Technically, usually, it's called also an email list, right? Uh, so I, do you have your yeah. own email list? Are you trying to build it? Um, just tell me a little bit more about it. Absolutely. So this, again, just goes back to how clueless I was in the beginning. I didn't have any email list at all. I mean, my big idea was I'm going to put this course on Udemy, and people are going to find my course on Udemy, and they're going to they're gonna buy my course. That works out for some people. That works out fabulously well for some people. But it's like you shouldn't really be betting your financial well-being 
on that happening. You are so much better off to be building your own email list because you don't get <coughs> the email list from Udemy. When you get people to enroll in the Udemy classes, Udemy doesn't share their email address with you. And while you can use educational announcements and promotional announcements to interact with students in your classes, those are the channels and you never get the students there. So yes, absolutely right now I'm in the process of working to build an email list and the way that I'm working to build it is you know, by doing these blabcasts and I get the content on my personal branding site. And of course, in the sidebar on my personal branding site, I've got the opt-in for my newsletter. Now, some people might say that I'm still doing it totally wrong because why would anybody sign up for my newsletter if I don't have my lead magnet, if I don't have that thing that gives them the reason to sign up for the newsletter. Right. But I've so actually it's kind of had, a freebie, right? Yes. Yeah, but I've had people sign up. I'm not pushing hard to... Um, to try to coerce people to, uh, you know, persuade them right. to sign it's up. Right, it's on the side. It's not like you know, you're just like popping it as a model view, and you, and you have to sign up to even continue to do something right. on your website. It's yes. just there it's on the side. Yes. And I'm going to see how that builds over time. So that's one email list that I'm looking to build. Honestly, that probably where that email list is going to be helpful for me is with affiliate marketing stuff. It's probably not going to be very helpful to me for my own classes because the people on that email list are signing up because they're coming to my website and they're seeing these you know, these embedded YouTube videos of the inspiration blabcast that I've done. And so they're interested <coughs> in those people, but they're probably not interested in my type of technology courses. So that okay. email list would be more geared towards you know, using my affiliate links to make money there. But as far as building up an email list, for me to be able to use to sell my classes to, I'm in the process of designing and developing another class. And the way that I'm going to approach this class is through taking my own advice that I'm going to be building an audience, I'm going to be interacting with people, and I'm, I'm working on finishing my squeeze page. And so the process that I'm planning to take with this class is I get my squeeze page launched, interact in these various forums, provide people value, and then give them ways through those forums that they could find out about, oh, I've got a class in the works that deals with these things that I'm talking to you about. And if you want to get on the early bird list, sign up for, for my, you know, my, mail, my newsletter here. And when the class is launched, um, I'll let you know about it. And then furthermore, what I'm planning to do to even test it further to see if I've really got people who are willing to put their money where their mouth is, mm -hmm. is that what I'm going to do when I can see, and I haven't even gotten the squeeze page built yet. So until okay. I got the squeeze page built, I'm kind of holding off on my content marketing pieces that I'm going to share in these other places, other forums to get people to sign to the email list. But when I've got the email list built up big enough, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to launch a Kickstarter campaign and I'm going to send out the email to my email list and say, here's the, I've got these various reward levels. And if you will, if you will back me early, I'm going to give you this super huge discount um, <coughs> that you'll be able to get this course you know, for being one of my early backers. And that's where I'm going to actually get validation that there are people who are willing to spend money on this course. And then plus it'll give me some funding while I'm working on finishing up the course. So I'm doing a completely different approach here that, that before I launch this course, I'm going to make sure that I have an email list that's built up of people who are willing to purchase the course. Um, and so, I, yeah, I'm in the process right now of uh, actually getting 
an email list built. Um, and then I'll just continue doing that over time. I'll continue to grow and, and grow the email list and do more uh, along those lines to make sure that, you know, that I've got my audience that I'm able to market to. Excellent. And um, what I like, the, f the fact is that what you're trying to do is that you're bringing the people to the website or to the squeeze page or that landing page and you want them to sign up without being too pushy. But the ones that are, that are going to sign up are the ones that are interested in your upcoming courses or and the fact that you're sending them to Kickstarter. So that will already be able, you'll be able to finance a new course without even having written or not even recorded any videos about that course, right? Well, it's, you know, what I'm going to be doing is the way that I'm planning to approach it is I like to aim for having this because this is something else that I learned as well. And this is an idea that I actually got from looking how um, Anthony Alisea has done. This, this guy has just rocketed up the charts. He's the learn and understand, you know, learn and understand J, um, JavaScript, learn and understand Node.js, learn and understand Angular. He's on Udemy? He's on Udemy. He What's just started in two Anthony Alisea. Um, okay. mm -hmm. he's like in the top of web development right now and what he did he didn't have any audience when he came to Udemy all he did to build his audience is he put his YouTube channel and so he had this learn and understand JavaScript class that's like a seven hour class he put like three and a half hours of that up free on his YouTube channel and he drives tons of sales from there and so <coughs> I said you know what I'm going to do the same thing I'm going to aim to have 50% of my classes available as free preview and when <coughs> whatever you've got available as free preview that's fair game to put as a YouTube video in your channel um, and so what I'm going to be doing um, at some of the content marketing pieces that I'm putting together will be these free preview lectures that I'm going to have in the course so I actually <coughs> will be building the course at least parts of the course as I'm um, building this audience here. And it really depends, honestly, um, on how long it takes me to build the audience because I will continue working on the course as I'm building the audience unless I just find out that um, I'm not going to have an audience. But I'll j I mean, I don't have like I'm it's going to be how to be a web developer. Like I know that I know that topic is popular on Udemy. Sure. People make tons of money on how to become a web developer. I'm planning to do it differently. There's a way that I'm differentiating myself. And that's part of what I'm going to be putting in the video on my squeeze page about like, why would you want to take this web development class? There's a million web development classes right. out there already. So I know that the topic is popular. I, there's no question about that. The only question is about um, being able to build the audience. And so I am actually going to be working on the course as I'm building the audience. Um, but it depends on how fast I can build the audience. If I've done a good job with some of these other content marketing pieces, then yes, you're right. And if I can get – I don't know. It, it, all of this remains to be seen based on what results I get. Like what am I going to even set the campaign, the project budget for – <clears throat> on Kickstarter, but let's just make up some numbers. Let's pretend <coughs> that I've been getting enough traction on my email list. I'm getting enough people interacting with me, okay. and I've built up a sizable email list, and let's just pretend that I'm going to make the project budget on Kickstarter to be $10,000 because I've gotten enough email subscribers that I think I'm going to be able to get $10,000 of backing easily. Okay. And so, so I launched a Kickstarter campaign and I make the project um, $10,000. And so I send out to my email list 
to say, okay, here it is. I got my Kickstarter. If you want to be one of the early backers, and let's just pretend that I say, I'm going to open up, oh, a thousand um, early backer at five dollar level, and I'm going to give you my course for five bucks if you're one of the first thousand people to sign up. And then let's say that I've got a thousand more that are at. I don't know, $7 and a thousand more that are at $9, um, you know, and then I've got the funding level that says, and if you missed all 3000 of those, now here's, if you back at the $15 level, you know, there's an unlimited number of $15 ones okay. where I'll, you know, I'll send you a coupon for the, for the course. So let's say that I go about it that way. I've launched it. I've got my um, thousand that are at, at uh, the five dollars. I got my thousand that are at seven dollars, and all of them sell out. So there's twelve thousand uh, dollars right there. Then mm-hmm. absolutely, you're right. It's like cool. I'm gonna have ten thousand dollars where now I can just sit down and I can finish building the rest of this course yes. and launch it, and know that I'm gonna have <clears throat> two thousand people who are immediately going to start taking that class they're immediately going to engage with it and hopefully you know if i build the class like i'm promising i'm going to build it that it's going to be spectacular i'm going to get some good reviews and then that should get me also into new and noteworthy on udemy which is going to help me pump up sales that much more Okay, I see. Now, question. Um, I personally have tried uh, Kickstarter before. I've done uh, two projects, and both of them failed. Um, the first one was 80% funded. We are almost there, but um, it did not. And the second one was about creating a, a course how to program for the new Pebble Time Watch. But um, um, it, it, was, uh, it had a lot of attraction, but Pebble sent me a, a cease and desist for this specific Kickstarter because they didn't want their their uh, Pebble name part of the Kickstarter um, campaign. So I had to remove this one. So my two, you know, my two experiences with Kickstarter were pretty bad. Now I know some Udemy searchers are doing great with that. Do you happen to have any, uh, uh, any of your own experience with Kickstarter before? Or Yeah, I've had, yeah, I've totally flopped on Kickstarter. So the way that I actually came to Udemy mm-hmm. was that the first idea that I had is I wanted to build this free Drupal training resource. And so I launched a Kickstarter campaign with a project budget of $64,000 because what I looked at is I said, I'm going to make it $64,000. That'll give me enough funding where I could, you know, spend like six months full time um, working on it. And honestly, I could spend a year working on it. Like $64,000 isn't going to make me rich, but it would, I'd be comfortable enough that I could actually spend a year living off $64,000 um, to build things. So I, I launched this Kickstarter campaign for $64,000 to build this free training resource. And this is, again, where I had things completely backwards, made all of these uh, wrong assumptions about how things work. And so I, 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 do the, I launched the campaign and I start telling people that I know in the Drupal community, I thought I'd build up a pretty good name there and that people would pass the word along. Short story is that I think I got funded like $640 out of that $64,000. It was a humongous mm-hmm. flop, just an absolutely humongous flop. And I realized that part of my problem was that I didn't have anything to show anybody. Like, how do we know that you're going to be able to build this online training course? You don't even have any training courses to show us. Um, but I happened to find out about Udemy from having done this campaign. In fact, I found out about it from um, Nick Walter because he's somebody right. I had contacted because um, when my campaign wasn't going anywhere, I searched for other tech campaigns where people did fund the creation of an online course. And I came across Nick and I saw that he had done it. So I right. sent him a message through Kickstarter and asked him, like, what's the deal, dude? Like, how did you do this? Because mine is just a huge flop. Mm-hmm. He gave me input about how he did it. 
Um, and he actually had another campaign running at the same time, and so I backed him in his campaign. And when that campaign got funded, he sent me the coupon code to go to his course, and that's how I found out about Udemy was through his God. course there. Um, so, so there's that first campaign that was just this huge flop. I launched one other campaign because I wanted to test something out, and that campaign I actually set at $250. It wasn't that I was looking to make money off that campaign. I wanted to try to test some other channels, and what I really wanted to test was like the advice that Nick had told me that if you can get a bunch of backers right away, even to back you at a dollar, mm-hmm. that that pumps up Kickstarter and helps you get more exposure where the campaign can go right, viral. Right, just like on Udemy, you may be like yeah, in the new yeah. and noteworthy page of Kickstarter or the trending one, and then yeah, more people yeah. are going to look at what you're doing absolutely yeah and so then with that kickstarter that was just the idea to test that to see if i can get that go to go viral um and what ended up happening with that one so i set this 250 dollars budget like i didn't want to set a 10 dollars budget where it's totally obvious that i didn't really care how much money i made on the kickstarter that i was just testing something but i wasn't going to set it at this humongous dollar amount um but what ended up happening with that one is so I was trying to get the word out to people to say, look, I don't care whether you really like this course that I'm planning, to, and it was for a course that I'm going to be building with a co-instructor. Um, I said, I don't, it's not really whether you like this course. I just want to test this the this idea of if I can get enough people to enroll at a back me at a dollar, if we can maybe get this pumped up some on Kickstarter. And that's also why I just made it for a $250 budget because I wanted people to know, like, I'm not trying to scam you and then try to get this campaign that's going to go viral and I get $20,000 off it. I just wanted to see if I could test it. But what ended up happening with that one is that I got only three people who were willing to even go in and experiment with becoming a backer right away at a dollar. So I've done these two Kickstarter campaigns that were just these absolute humongous flops. And that's why I'm doing things differently now with the Kickstarter because it's still, from what I understand, for your Kickstarters to be successful, you need to get that initial boost to get Kickstarter's attention so that you can start getting some of that social sharing and some of that viral aspect where then you get all these people jumping onto the the campaign and it gets funded. And so you know that's why the way I'm approaching it now is – I'm going to be doing these other things with my squeeze page to build the email list for the early bird people. And that will give me people that I can send to the Kickstarter and see how that works. But even if I do the Kickstarter (coughs) and the Kickstarter fails, that's valuable feedback for me that lets me know I'm not going to launch my course until I'm able to have a successful Kickstarter. Until I can do that. I'm just going to keep on building my audience. I'm going to keep on doing the content marketing, and I can keep on working on the course in the meantime. But I'm not going to – even if I end up – let's say that I end up finishing the course. Let's say that I've been working, I've been building an audience, and I've just been doing this for enough time that I've actually now got the course built. Then I'm going to say, well, I'm going to continue building my audience and continue testing these Kickstarters until it successfully gets funded because of the fact that the web development courses are so saturated on Udemy that if I want to be able to gain any traction there, I have to have like this huge initial influx of my own students coming in so that I can get into new and noteworthy, so that I can get score well in Udemy's rankings. Because if when if people search on the web development category, I can't be like on the 7th or the 20th or the 30th page. I've got to do things that are going to get me to the first or the second page right away before I can start taking advantage of any Udemy's organic traffic. So, um, you know, if I can't get a Kickstarter to be successful, 
then I'm just not even launching the course until I do. Yes, and to add to what you were saying earlier is that there's something with Kickstarter that's fundamentally different than what we have in our mind. When I was thinking Kickstarter, I was thinking that, oh, it's a huge community out there, and when I'm going to put my course, so many eyes are going to be rolling on my course, definitely there's going to be lots of exposure, and there has to be some people that are going to join and, you know, and back me up. But what you have to understand is that Kickstarter is kind of like saturated. There's so many more, so many campaigns going on at the same time that people don't even uh, don't even know the existence of your campaign on Kickstarter. So it's the opposite of what I was thinking. So I don't go on Kickstarter to find people. I go on Kickstarter to advertise to the people that I already have. And hopefully, if things go well, then this will become trending on Kickstarter and then be out there to the, the whole world, the whole world that can actually see it on Kickstarter. Uh, am I right, uh, Mark? Yeah, well, the thing is, Kickstarter and Udemy are so similar in that fashion. Like, that's the same mistake that people make on Udemy. They say there's 9 million students on Udemy. I'm just going to put my course on Udemy because there's 9 million people who can see it. But what ends up happening is nobody sees it because there's not, there's just 30,000 courses on Udemy. So you're not going to get any visibility until you can start gaining some traction. It's the exact same thing that happens on Kickstarter. Kickstarter generates tons and tons, like millions upon millions of funding for projects. But there's so many projects, so many campaigns running at a given time that you have to do something that's going to get you the visibility and is going to gain that traction for you. And that's why I decided to go the route of using Kickstarter as my little guinea pig. Because if I can't get it to work on Kickstarter, then I'm probably not going to get it to work on Udemy either. But if I can get it to work on Kickstarter, I know I'm going to get it to work on Udemy. I might be able to get it to work on Udemy even if I didn't get it to work on Kickstarter. But if I can get it to work on Kickstarter, I know I'm going to get it to work on Udemy. It's like the perfect test for doing that. And it's exactly like you say, that you, you can't assume that you're going to put something up there. And people are going to find it because people – I mean there are some people that like to fund things on Kickstarter and they look in particular categories that they want to be able to support people. Yeah. And they'll look for projects that are in that category and you know, and they'll give it money. But you really can't expect that people are going to be hunting around on Kickstarter looking for places to give their money away to. You know, you've got to get yourself in front of them and you've got to give them a reason to, to give you money. So um, – so you've got to do that work of you know building your audience and having people to uh, you know to to bring the project to and then like I was saying the other thing that by doing this on Kickstarter I get that proof positive that the people on my email list are actually willing to spend money you know I don't want to make that mistake and say oh look let's pretend that I get ten thousand people signed up on my email list okay and I'm like oh my god ten thousand people. And if I can get $10 a person, I've got $100,000 right there. So I'm going to launch this course and I'm going to make $100,000. But then I find out that out of the 10,000 people on that email list, there was only like 2% of them that were really willing to spend any money. The rest of them who signed up on the email list, like I made some mistakes in how I built the email list. I don't know why the people signed up. But if I do the Kickstarter campaign and I send it out to the email list – then I get that feedback. I say, what in the world happened? I had 10,000 people on this email list. I made 1,000 coupons available, you know, 1,000 um, backer levels at $5. I made 1,000 backer levels at the $7. That's only 2,000 out of my 10,000 people that I've got on the list. And yet 
I still couldn't get like 20% of my list to even spend five or $7 on me. Then I got some great feedback. They're like, hmm, my list is pretty crappy. Like I'm doing something wrong here. I need to build a better list than that. Um, right. So basically you, know, you need to niche down or f- uh, be more specific with um, with the people that are actually subscribing to your email. Or you got to filter them down later on, you know, by see- by seeing that, you know, only the- this 5% that actually um, got to engage with your email list will get to stay and you get rid of the rest. I know it kind yeah. of hurts because it hurts for me to remove Every even one email address, you know, it really hurts because you're like, oh, it could still be a potential, uh, you know, potential uh, client in the future. But you have to understand that uh, some people are just not meant to interact with you or they're not your audience at all. And somehow they got into your email list for, for whatever reason. But, um, you know, it's just it's not it's not good for them, not good for you neither. So just filter them out. Yeah, and plus, once you reach a certain level, like I'm on MailChimp now. Like I don't care. People will argue about should you use AWeber, should you use MailChimp. Some people are using Infusionsoft, or you mm-hmm. can use Constant Contact. I don't. People will say stuff about Get Response or whatever. Like I don't know what email provider you're going to use, but it doesn't matter. No matter what email provider you use, I think all of them have a certain level where they're free. Right. I am doing MailChimp because you get up to 2,000 subscribers for free and you can set up to 12,000 emails a month for free. So, you know, this is giving me a tool that I can use. I'm not so worried about the whole automation and all of this other stuff. So, okay. <clears throat> so while I'm under 2,000 people, that list is for free for me. But if I get up to 10,000 people, I'm paying every month for that email list. And if I if that email list isn't worth money to me, then I have a problem. Like, and then I do need to weed out that list because I don't need to be paying Mailchimp every month to maintain, you know, to have this list of ten thousand people who aren't willing to spend any money on my stuff. So, I'm so much better off. And honestly, if <laughs> I don't know how much you, I haven't even looked at what the next pricing tier is on Mailchimp. But if I had a mailing list of ten thousand people and I couldn't even make it worthwhile <laughs> to pay the Mailchimp's monthly fees, mm-hmm. then I really have something wrong right. with my mail and list. Also- I paid something. Something people have to understand is that um, once you turn on, let's say, once you reach 2,000 email subscribers on on MailChimp, and so you basically have to pay on a monthly basis, Uh, if you start filtering down to get below 2,000, you will still have to pay the fee for the 2,000 people. You cannot just turn it back to free unless you get a new account, but then you will lose all these people or you'll have to recreate a new account. Um, so that's something you have to understand that if you're ready to get to the next slot, you know, the, uh, the higher, the higher, uh, uh, rank, you, the higher price brackets, you have to understand that you have to make sure that the, your audience is definitely worth it. Yeah. And you want to build your email list in a smart way. So that's one of the reasons that on my personal branding site, I'm not doing a lead magnet. I'm not looking to collect people who are looking for a bunch of freebies like that. I, it's very subtle, and I really only want people signing up for that newsletter who are really interested. And I'm not trying to sell them anything at all now. I think I've got like 12 or 14 people on that newsletter right now, so there's no point in trying to sell anything. Okay. Um, but I'm, I would rather have the people signing up for it be more slow but actually be interested in being on that list so that as it builds over time and I do start to look to monetize it with doing stuff with affiliate links that I'll actually start making some money off it because I'd rather have the list stay smaller but have a much better click-through rate than to have a list that makes me feel like make inflate my ego like, look, I'm so amazing. I have 7,000 people on my email list. But then when somebody asks me like, 
and how much money do you typically right. make when you send out an email to them? And I'm like, uh, I don't know, like $25 or $30. Yeah, we call this vanity <laughs> metrics in the sense that it makes you look good or feel good about yourself, but you know, be, inside of you, you know that if, if you're not making any money out of your 100,000 people, then, you know, it's not worth it. If you have 100 yeah. people that actually are willing to pay all the time, it's a lot better than 100,000, 1% of all of 100,000 uh, email list. Yeah, I'd rather have 500 subscribers and I've got a free email t- tool that I can use through MailChimp, but those 500 subscribers are actually willing to spend, oh, I don't know, they spend... I would, let's not say ten dollars a month. Right, but let's you, say you they have to make your calculation a, to make a living out of this. Ten dollars a quarter. Well, it's I'm not whether it's actually making a living out of it, whether it's even generating money. So let's say that I got five hundred people and I'm able to average ten dollars a quarter out of them, right? Okay. So it's five thousand dollars a quarter that I would do twenty thousand um, dollars a year is what that would be, right? So like right. that's not enough that I'm going to support my family on it, but like twenty thousand dollars makes a significant you know, benefit. It's a nice supplement. Yeah. So I, I would definitely rather have 500 people that are willing to spend even $10 a month, a quarter on average than to have, you know, 10,000 people who are going to spend, uh, you know, a, a dollar every six months, <laughs> you know, for sure. Definitely. All right, so I mean, we've been talking for a while, and I don't want the audience to be overwhelmed by the number of information we're giving them. And uh, I'm sure so far we've had so much great information. So uh, I want to stop it there. But before we go, um, is there anything uh, you'd like to talk about, or you'd like to mention about what you're doing? Uh, I think that this is the audiences get a chance to hear. You know, I can talk for hours in hours. Yeah, and no, hours. that's the thing with being instructors. It, you know, instructors yeah, talking to instructors, can, forget it. But, it's never going to stop. Except when I get in front of the camera, when I go to shoot my talking head mm-hmm. video, then my mouth just completely freezes up and I can't think of anything to say. Um, but so basically, as far as anything uh, to talk about is just for me to recap, like I don't claim to be an expert on this. I was totally mistaken about the things that I needed to do when I started out here. You know, I jumped into it. I had all these big ideas of how things were going to work and how much money I was going to make. And it's really humbling. Like I just, I got destroyed. I got totally knocked down and I'm like having to dig myself out of the hole here. But like, I like whatever, get up, dust myself off, learn from my mistakes and, you know, just pick it up from there and do the the best that I can. And so, you know, I'm still confident. I'm still hopeful that in the long run, this is going to end up being successful for me. And I really do believe in the marketplace for online courses. I really believe in the potential of Udemy. They have 9 million students on Udemy. If I can attract the attention of 1% of that, that's 90,000 students that I've gotten the attention of. And if I can get $10 out of 90,000 students, that's $900,000. You know what? I'm willing to deal with a lot of years of failure to eventually make $900,000. Yes, and also we have to understand that Udemy keeps growing and uh, now it's just starting the, you know, the surface with other countries, uh, you know, thinking international and different languages and, and things like that. So um, there's lots of room to grow for Udemy and for ourselves, instructors. And um, so Mark, if I have one advice for you, is just keep doing what you're doing, you know, stay resilient, uh, stay persistent. And again, you know, um, we all have to go through uh, lots of different failures 
and um, and then you will become an overnight success, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm going to be one of those people that was an overnight success. That I hope it's not going to be five years in the making. I hope I become an overnight success. I don't know if it'll happen in 2016 or not. We'll see. My grand plans that I have with this Good web luck. development. I hope you make it. it together. Yeah. All right. Well, definitely. Whether you make it or not, I definitely. Uh, if you make, don't make it in 2016, it will happen someday because, you know, if you keep working on it and think of it as being a business and you do what needs to be done, then it can only, you know, it can only grow no matter what. Just like anything, you know, you put your time and efforts into it, it will grow. So, and that's actually a key point. That's a great way that to wrap it up. You have to think of it like a business. That's part of the problem that I had. Like I have, I've been self-employed. I know how to run a business, but when I did my Udemy classes – I didn't put any of my business sense into it and say, let me run this like a business. <laughs> right, definitely. Yeah. And that's why I created this podcast because I want myself to turn this into a business, a sustainable business. Um, and um, I know many people out there are in the same position as I am. You know, they like to do this full time and be able to, uh, you know, live the dream, right? And, um, and the best yeah, way to we do want it to is live to live the dream. Right. But that doesn't mean that we treated it like a business. I want to live the dream too. But the problem I made is that I didn't step back and treat it like a business. I wanted it to provide income like a business, but I wasn't treating it like a business. <laughs> so, yes, and, and it, the, which is the approach that you know, you're know you some kind of a, a celebrity or an athlete. You think that all of a sudden you're going to create all of this and you know and just be that person. You know, It's like, oh, I'm a natural, right? But it doesn't work for all of us. Some people are natural and it will work, but for the majority of the rest of us, you know, we have to do it the, the hard way. Yep, yep. All right, thanks for everything, Mark. And definitely, I hope to hear back from you and especially have good news from you. And um, and uh, you gave me some uh, coupon codes that I'm going to put on uh, the website. Go to iosonlinecourses.com slash business. Look for the Mark Isaacson's episode and uh, get uh, free coupons, free passes to his courses. Thanks well, discounted. Thanks. Yeah, discounted. Oh, discounted? Access. Okay. Well, good enough. Come on. I mean, you gave, you, you gave so much value today. You know, people have to give back to the community, right? And I'm Absolutely. sure what, you, you will come back and reinvest whatever money they, they, they put on to get your courses to create some amazing courses and amazing value back to the community. So I thank you in advance, Mark, and uh, we keep in touch. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye, Mark. Bye-bye. Go to iosonlinecourses.com slash business. If you enjoyed this episode and you found any kind of value, please go to iTunes and rate this podcast and leave a review. More instructors will benefit from it. 